It's finally here. The Macy's Friends and Family Sale with an extra 30% off gifts they'll love. Get an extra 25% off dressed-up designer looks for kids from Calvin Klein and more, plus an extra 25% off Samsonite and Delsey luggage. With great prices from top designers, Macy's has all the best deals you won't want to miss this week. And don't forget to sign up for a Macy's card or use a coupon to get 15% off beauty products they'll love this season. Visit Macy's.com to find great holiday deals today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave! They're Hawkeyes, living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes! They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska! The Frost Advisory is cancelled! Corn Huskers? More like Corn Shuffles. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. You don't want to miss any of these awesome interviews that we have from all the Hawkeye legends that we get to talk to on all of our forms of social media today. We have Ryan Donahue, former Iowa Hawkeye punter, uh, multiple-time Ray Guy Award finalist, but most important, recently named the district commissioner of Oak Lawn Park. You freaking stud. How's it going, man? <laughs> uh, it's going great. It's uh, it's going great, especially now. I mean, election just happened, and um, you know we came in first, so you know we get we got the uh, commissioner on board. All right, man. The, tell us about that new role. So you're like you're the district commissioner. I mean, that sounds super official. Like you know, you sound like a big shot now. We were following your campaign online. I liked your your Facebook page, and we were getting that out there for all the Hawkeye fans to see because we want to see what you're up to, man. We want to see you succeed and see how you're doing, and we love that stuff. So tell us what you, what you're up to and what you're uh, commissioning in that district. Yeah. So uh, Oakland Park District. Um, you know, I, I grew up here. It's part of Worth Township on the southwest side of Chicago. And, um, you know, I grew up, you know, with programs and, um, you know, just, you know, being very active in the community. Um, and it's been, you know, a, a really nice, uh, really nice, nice way to, you know, kind of revisit some of those memories. Um, and, you know, people have come out and told me, you know, uh, lifelong friendships have started there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, you know, great, a uh, great process, um, especially, you know, I'm kind of new to the pol- politic game and being elected and all that. So, 
Um, you know, it's just a really good way to, you know, give back. It's a volunteer position. And so it's a great way to give back and, you know, just make sure that, you know, our Oaklawn Park District is, you know, the best in Illinois. Um, and it has been for a very long time, um, way before I've, I, you know, I even, you know, broached the subject. So, um, you know, I'm just really blessed that, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to uh, serve my community where it all started. Did, was the competition pretty hairy? Uh, you know, in all elections, things can get a little hairy and, uh, you know, there's a little sign wars and, um, you know, but it's all, it's all very, um, it's all, it's all for the kids. So, you know, you really just want to, you know, be as a stand up person as you can and, um, you know, just kind of ignore all the other fuzzy noise. Well, I mean, this isn't obviously not a stand up thing to do. So it's just you and me talking, like we always say, no one's watching. How many signs of the competition did you steal over under 10? <laughs> uh, under, I tried to keep it, you know, uh, you know, as, uh, as nice as I could. Um, you know, I, I got a little, uh, upset when, you know, the opponent's signs went right across the street from me and surrounded me, um, uh, you know, and, and there was nothing else in the area, but you know, it's, you know, some people deal, deal with things different ways. And, um, you know, I like to say I was, I was playing, you know, at least little league while they play, uh, T-ball. Hey, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. We were uh, following along and we were really excited to see that you won and we shared that information out. So congratulations. Nice. And you kind of got to show them what time it is. You're not going to beat a Hawkeye no matter how you play it. We refuse, <laughs> to, refuse to lose, baby. Um, growing up around the Chicago area, being from Illinois, I need to know there's some important things that you know you judge character on. And one of the biggest is, are you a Cubs or a White Sox fan? I'm a South Sider. Um, you know, born and raised South Sider. Oh, oh yeah, baby. Oh, let's go. Let's, hold on. Right. I gotta change change my hat here. I was hoping you'd say that. So, Absolutely. All right. I'm Man, a little you're really in enemy territory now. I mean, oh. Hawk, Hawk, Nebraska, and now, you know, oh. I mean Cubs yeah, are Cubs, I mean, I, I caught a lot of grief in Iowa, you know, Cubs farm system, you know, all oh, Cubs yeah. fans. So uh you know, it was tough. For you know, four and a half years in Iowa, being a Sox fan. <laughs> hey man, I grew up in Des Moines, and the Cubs minor league team is there. And yeah. I got to be honest with you, like you know, I, a lot of Hawkeye fans are Cubs fans, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna say it straight. Um, I grew up with every you know everything lining up for me to be a Cubs fan, and the the Cubs fans made me a White Sox fan. I grew up on the South Side of Des Moines, so I feel like the South Side of Des Moines has a lot more in common with the South Side of Chicago. And um, you know the the Cubs fans, I always just felt like you know if there was a cute girl wanting to get root get behind a team, oh I'm a Cubs fan, go Cubs! You know it's like you don't know anything about baseball. Like where are you a Cubs fan? Like when it got to be the trendy thing to be. And every, all the people that didn't know anything about sports decided mm-hmm. they were Cubs fans. That, um, you know, back in the day, that really just started to turn me off. And as the years got on, went on more and more and more, I just started becoming more and more of a Sox fan. And I'm like, you know what? That's, that's where my allegiance lies. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black and white all the way through, baby. I love it. I mean, shoot, I've been a Sox fan ever since my dad took me, you know, to the, to a game against Detroit and there was three brawls in that game. And, uh, it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. It was, you know, very enthralling. So, uh, and all three of them were probably in the stands. (laughs) 
Well, there's probably more in the stands. <laughs> yeah. The one thing, the one thing that bothers me a little bit about why, so, but no, you know, no team's perfect is I wish they never would have changed the name of Comiskey. Like they should have kept that the same, you know, like guaranteed rate field. Like that sounds terrible. Like we don't, yeah. and I know the White Sox fans don't like that. I don't like that. Um, I'm going, I've only been to one uh, home White Sox game. I'm going again this year. Do you have like, is there, you know, cause the Cubs have Wrigleyville. Is there mm-hmm. any really good, bars or places to hit up around the stadium that all the White Sox fans go to? I would say, I mean, there's nothing centralized, you know, kind of like, you know, Cubs fans have like uh, Clark Street and, you know, the surrounding area. Um, I would say the best place to go would be to go to Cork and Cary. Uh, Cork and Cary is a good one. Um, I have one by me and then the other one is in, uh, is by Sox Park. So, you know, it's called, I mean, I still call it Comiskey, um, Sox Park, um, I've, I don't think I've ever called it the cell, um, and most definitely not guaranteed rate field. Um, yeah. I, always, I always said if like I had the opportunity, you know, to, uh, you know, help rename that stadium, I would definitely go back to Comiskey. It's gotta be, there's so much history behind it. That's the guy that started it all with them. And I mean, you got us cellular that owned it for a while and like, okay, you own the field rights and you have your corporate office in Chicago. You go and you can't even get us cellular cell service in Chicago, like it makes zero sense at all. So I don't know, man, but I had a feeling about you. I just was like, I think he might be a Sox guy. So I don't know, make sure I had my hat ready to roll and. I, I knew what kind of guy I was dealing with, but we got to let's let's dig into the the real nitty gritty. Now that we know we're Sox brothers, um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the family life. Um, you got girlfriend, wife, anything like that going on right now? Or are you flying solo? Um, yeah, I have a girlfriend, uh, Brittany. Uh, we live together. Uh, past six and a half years, we've uh, been together, and we have our dog Cody. Cody, I got in Iowa. Um, he was my college dog. I rescued him. Uh, out of uh, a parking lot in um, Sycamore Mall in Iowa City, and uh, I got him out of a basket uh, with his uh, with another dog out of another brother, and he was covered in fleas, ticks, malnutritioned. And so, oh. first first forty eight hours, um, you know, I was just a college kid, and you know, I called the, the local vet and said, "Hey, you know, what can I do to help this dog?" And um, you know, they said, "Take him in." I'm like, "I'm a college kid. I I, I don't have you know the money to bring him in," and um, you know. She gave me a bunch of, uh, you know, advice and, you know, to go get an eyedropper, start, you know, giving him some nutrients and things like that. And 13 years later this month, he's, uh, he's the happiest dog in the world and probably the most spoiled. That's awesome. And I, you know, I've talked to multiple people about this. I talked to Bo Bauer about this too. He had a similar situation with a dog that he adopted. And I really feel like the dogs know that they know that you saved them and that that you were there for them and they were in a tough spot. They're smarter than people give them credit for. And it makes that bond and that love between you and that animal deeper. And anybody that says you don't like love a dog, like a member of the family is somebody that's never had a dog. Mm, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and now it's, uh, it's, it's Brittany's dog, I think, more than it is my dog. Uh, she's taken to him very well. And those two are just like Pete cares. <laughs> Man, and Ryan, they're a good judge of character. So that might be, you know, we got to look at yeah, that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome, man. I love hearing that. Uh, what, what did he get your take on, too? This is something that um, we really wanted to ask you. So coming out of high school and then even like going from college to the NFL, I, I can't figure out, and I ask all the experts this, and they don't really have a good answer for me. Kickers and punters, uh, it's two of the most important positions in football. 
why aren't they recruited more heavily and why aren't they drafted higher in the NFL draft process? To me, it's such an odd thing. And I feel like kickers like you, kickers across the country, you know, pun intended, you need to put your foot down and say mm-hmm. en- enough's enough because we're not winning football games if we don't have a good punter. We're not winning football games if we don't have a good kicker. Why aren't these guys more highly coveted? Well, you know, you kind of have to look at the you know broad landscape of, you know, the recruiting process as far as, you know, high school to college. Um, I think, you know, as soon as it turned like 2000 and, you know, three, four, five is when things really started to heat up. And, um, you know, kickers were actually getting offered scholarships uh, out of high school. Um, before that, you know, it wasn't really, you know, a, uh, a need for, you know, any program because you can just walk on and, We'll try out the best guys, and you know it's kind of the old way of uh, college football thinking. But you know the, the the programs that are at the forefront, um, and we're at the forefront, you know, of the kicker and punter uh, scholarships out of high school. You know those programs really succeeded, and you know those, the programs just like Kirk Ferentz, you know, says three phases, and you know a lot of times that third phase, I mean, it just gets you know put in the back burner, and um, you know those the smart coaches know that that's where it's at, so. Um, you know, I think that, you know, as far as the whole landscape goes, that, you know, Iowa is one of those premier programs that has always really coveted, you know, special teams um, mm-hmm. and specialists, you know, alike. And so, you know, I think it's, you know, the, the world has changed ever since then. Um, now there's, you know, a de- bunch of different facets. You know, there's Australians. There's, you know, the there, there's uh, junior college transfers. It seems like all the punters and kickers are getting a lot older in college. Um, yeah. And going from a lot more non-traditional uh, recruiting, uh, recruiting methods. So it's been uh, very interesting, um, to see. I mean, I've even in, even in the pros, I've seen that there have been, you know, so many different, um, avenues to, you know, being that guy, um, that, you know, I'd say that the punting game has changed in the NFL more in the past 10 years than it has in the past 50, Mm -hmm. um, just with so many different kinds of punts, um, you know, the avenues and, um, yeah, it's been a very interesting thing to see. It's been very exciting to see kind of how things are turning around and, you know, the different tactics that, you know, uh, uh, high school all the way to pro teams are using. What are your thoughts on the Aussie rules players, the pipeline, especially coming into Iowa? It's it's really become a trend. And, man, it's been really successful. Uh, do you feel like that's here to stay and that's going to be really just one of the new mainstreams of, of finding punters in college in the NFL? Yeah, you know, I mean, the pipeline's strong. Um, you know, in Australia, they grow up, I've been to Australia, and they grow up, you know, kicking a ball, whether it be rugby or footy or, um, you know, soccer, you know. Um, they, they grow up, you know, we grew up in America, we grew up, like, throwing the ball with baseball, basketball, um, you know, so it's it's just really, you know, keen to their um, to their skill sets. And, you know, they. I mean, I got my first um, glance when I got hurt in Detroit and um, Ben Graham um, came to – he's one of, the, one of the greatest Australian football uh, league players to play over there. And he came and he was punting balls and putting spins on the ball that I had never seen before. Hmm. And, um, you know, it really opened my eyes to, you know, the different skill sets that, you know, he has. And he would be, you know, just saying, hey, tell, tell someone to go along. And he'd just punt it and he would put it on him just like Stafford. Like he would just, you know, in stride. And I'm just like, wow. I can't. I can't do that. So I'm like, I really need to step my game up when I come back from this injury. Um, but yeah, it's been very interesting to see. And I tell you one thing, I mean, I'm on the Tory Taylor train. I mean, let's go. I mean, he, you know, he did phenomenal for a freshman, especially, yeah. for, you know, in the elements in Iowa city, um, you know, he did phenomenal. And, you know, I was, I was his number one fan on Twitter. I guarantee it. And, uh, yeah. 
it's been really cool to see. Uh, and LeVar Woods is doing a great job. You know, um, I mean, I know he went down there to recruit him and, you know, he knows that, you know, we've, uh, we, we need a good punter. So we certainly do. And he did a heck of a job last year. I don't think we could have possibly asked him to do any better than he did. One of the best yeah. in the nation. Uh, when you were coming up uh, and becoming uh, more and more of a punter, who were some of the guys that were influences to you that you looked to that you're like, all right, that guy, that guy's a stud. I want to really kind of shape my game after him. Yeah. Oh man. There's, there, there's a few, um, you know, at Iowa, you know, how I got better is I kind of picked apart, you know, what I liked from, you know, some of the most successful punters. So um, Jason Baker was always available to me, available to me. And um, cause he would come back, you know, all the time while he was still with Carolina Panthers um, every summer, and, you know, we would work out for at least a week. And, um, you know, he was me and Eric Guthrie. Um, we called him kind of, we called him bake bot because he was like a robot. He, you know, did everything technically correct. You know, his, his leg was straight up. I mean, he, you know, his ankle was right at his ear you know, everything was perfect. Oh. And um, so I liked a lot of the things he did tech- technically. Um, and then I would get um, NFL film. So Nick Kading would come back and, you know, bring back some NFL film. And we would, you know, um, we would look at, you know, different guys. And, you know, he was with uh, Cyphers, um, the punter for, you know, uh, punter for L.A. or Well, not L.A., the Chargers at the time. And, um, you know, I really, really liked how he just, you know, crushed the ball. Um, he was very technically sound. Uh, Thomas Morstead, also one of the best to ever do it, just retired this year. Um, I, yeah, those two guys probably I I tried to emulate more than anybody else because, you know, they had technicality and they also had, you know, the power. And so mm-hmm. I really liked both of those styles. And so, I mean, that's how I got good is I kind of picked apart and um, kind of put it into one about how my body type could, you know, adjust to uh, being <clears throat> just like they are that's a great answer that's that's a really good answer we appreciate that um when you're on the sidelines during a game and it's one of those grinded out there's a lot of three and outs and you're starting to really get the feeling like this is going to be a nine to six type of game like you know give or take a few a few points but you know Mm -hmm. that your placement uh, and your punts can make or break the whole entire game when offenses just aren't moving. And that happens in big 10 football. And that's happened in multiple games that you've played in. What's your mindset and your thought process on the sidelines going into that thinking, I'm going to be getting a lot of playing time today. I'm going to have a major influence on this game. What are you thinking in your head and how do you approach that game any differently, if at all from other games? Yeah. You know, it's kind of bittersweet. It's, um, you know, the, the more punting you do, you know, you're not just sitting on the sidelines, you know, freezing or, you, you know, you're just you're, your legs aren't, uh, you know, moving a whole lot. You know, you can punt into the net, but really doesn't do a whole lot to, you know, you know, keep you game active. So um, it's bittersweet in the fact that if we're punting a lot, you know, I, I'm out there a lot so I can, you know, really gauge the feel of the game and, you know, really stay fresh. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, it's not really, you know, if we're in a battle, um, you know, it's not really great to be punting. So. You know, my, my mindset there is, you know, just go out and do your job. Um, you know, you're really, you know, part of the team now. And I mean, it's <clears throat> my first instance of that was probably the second half of my freshman year when we played Michigan state. And, uh, I think I had like eight punts that game and it was a good game, really good game. It was an overtime game. We won an overtime. And, um, I think I averaged like 51 and a half yards of punt on eight punts. And, um, you know, that's when I kind of, everything kind of clicked in my head, like, okay, this is super, this is super important. Um, another example would be like, uh, Michigan state, Michigan state on the last second touchdown to Marvin McNutt. Yep. 
um, that game was grueling. You know, that's exactly one of the, one of the games that you're kind of talking about is those, uh, it was three to three and six to three and nine to six. And, you know, we were just battling back and forth. And I remember telling me uh, a scout telling me at the combine that he was there and um, I was hitting like four, eight punts. I had a really good game that game. It was like, and it was yeah. cold and it was a little bit, uh, it was cold, windy and a little bit rainy. And, uh, you know, he's like, I had to double take a couple of times and check with a couple of my guys to make sure that was correct. And, uh, I just, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, game mentality. You know, you gotta be a gamer. So my dad calls it a red light performer. You know, if you do something, you know, you, you do it well. Yeah. So I, so I tried to emulate that. It's similar to like an offensive lineman. Like what you're doing is so important, but at the end of the game, when we win, they're not going to be talking about your punting game and how you put us in a position to win. If they're not talking about you, that means you did a good job and you did what you were supposed to do. So it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, it's not the, you're not going to get all the glory, but man, like how it's so freaking important that like if you were on your game that day, we don't win that game. And a lot of people don't talk about that. So I don't know. I, I think that's pretty cool. But at one one point in your life, from uh, everything I read about you, that I believe in high school, you really kind of thought about quitting punting. You were, mm-hmm. you know, kind of down on it and weren't really feeling like you were going to be able to make it to the next level. And things weren't really panning out like you had thought. Uh, walk us through that process and how you were feeling. And I believe um, there was a coach that had some influence on you that really turned around your thinking. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went to St. Rita high school and uh, I went there cause a lot of my friends were going there and, um, I played, played freshman year. I was on the B squad. Um, you know, I was a, a safety and, uh, like a wide receiver, more of a safety than anything else. And, um, you know, I didn't, you know, necessarily like, um, to play. I was tall, skinny, um, had no business on a football field <laughs> to be honest. And so, um, you know, I told my dad, you know, I think halfway through the season, you know, I just, I, I didn't want to play football anymore. And he said, well, you have to finish the season out. That's what we do. And so I finished the season out and, uh, I planned on a good, you know, a good dad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a, he was a soccer coach, you know, he, he, yeah. uh, still is a soccer coach, but he, um, you know, started a soccer program at an NAIA school right next to me, St. Xavier. Okay. And so I grew up kicking a soccer ball after school because he would watch us after school. And really, he would be coaching after school. So, hmm. and my mom was a volleyball coach, and she ran her own volleyball club for um, thirty years. Wow. And so, I like to tell people I wasn't raised; I was coached. And nice. so, <laughs> and so, going back to Santa Rita, I really didn't like the you know like to play. So, I was going to transition to soccer or something hmm. like that. And so, um, he uh, and so I went through through the off season, and you know, it came time to um, go into sophomore year. And summer going into sophomore year, I was approached by. Um, um, a guy named JJ Standry. And so he was a punter at Northwestern, uh, also played baseball through like a 90 mile an hour fastball for uh, Northwestern as well. Wow. But he was a really, really good athlete and his family is really ingrained in um, our school. And so he came back to uh, coach and it was his very first year out of college. And so he uh, came back and, you know, said, Hey, we need a, we need a kicker for the varsity team. He called me up and I said, <clears throat> I was a backup kicker um, for the freshman team. Like I wasn't even, you know, the starting kicker. And he said, yeah, but then, you know, um, I heard my dad talk about you in gym class. And I guess in gym class, you know, and that's in that following spring, um, I had to kick with my bare foot just, you know, and so I kicked it and the ball just took off. And so I guess I should have been kicking soccer style the whole time as opposed to straight on. Oh. With my and so, um, uh, so his dad told me about, told him about me, uh, told me, told him about me. And, um, I had a, uh, he said, just work with me. Uh, and so, and so I worked with him for like, you know, three days, <clears throat> three days in August and 
you know, he started teaching me things and like things started to come together. And I'm like, Oh, this ball's flying far now. This is nice. And then one day on the third day, he invited the coach out, um, the head coach of the football team out. And uh, I kicked three balls. He goes, all right, the job's yours. And I'm kind of looking around like, what just happened? Like, I don't wow. Like, like I, I was done with football and now I'm back in and now, not only am I back in, I'm the starter on the varsity team as a sophomore. And so I'm like, this, this is pretty wild. And so um, that's how kind of I got back into it. And JJ taught me, you know, I mean, he worked with me for the next three years and turned me into a stud. I mean, it's, it's all, it was all for him, all because of him. That's a good story though. Like any, any sort of like <clears throat> trajectory where you get like, you know, derailed like that. I mean, that's just, that's awesome that you stuck with it. And it was fate. Like, you know, this, that was meant to happen. Other people clearly saw something in you and yeah. pushed you to keep going. And as Hawkeye fans, we're, we're dang glad they did. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, looking back on your career as a Hawk, uh, what would you say would be maybe, you know, coming up with one might be tough, but like your best memory, you look back and, you know, you're, you're sitting there at work and, you know, every once in a while it'll pop into your head or a fan will bring it up to you and it just puts a smile on your face. What, what would be your favorite memory? Oh man. I mean, there's a big one in the forefront of my mind, but trying to think of something else on top of that. Yeah, something else on top of that. Um, you know, it's really funny that you, you know, ask that cause it's like, one of the biggest memories wasn't even punting. It was holding, you know, against Penn state, um, to beat yeah. them, um, you know, and so in 08. And so, you know, that's, it's so hard to beat. you know, a game like that. Um, and you know, just, just the atmosphere that day. Um, I mean, it was, everything was kind of picture perfect and, you know, it's, it's, it stands out so much in, you know, my mind just because of, you know, where we were at that time as a team, um, yeah. you know, we weren't necessarily, like, we were kind of rebuilding that year. We had missed the, we had missed the um, bowl game the year before in 07 and 08, you know, we kind of stumbled out of the gate and then, you know, we we're figuring things out and um, it was a really cool process to see our whole team and kind of come together. And the talent we had on that team was just incredible. And so, um, you know, kind of, that's the first instance I think that we started to believe in ourselves and, um, you know, that rolled right into the 09 season where we started off, what, 9-0. and mm-hmm. um, So, you know, I think that, you know, really gave us the confidence to move on. I got chills talking about it. See, that's – I mean, it's got to be the best, you know. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's a really – that was one of the really coolest moments. I, I was there for that, and that was one of my favorite moments as a fan. And, you know, I've told multiple people that I feel really bad that there was a lady in front of us that got – somebody knocked hot chocolate all over her coat. <laughs> And like, it was, it was not warm for that game. Like it was like misty and it was cold. And I just remember like everybody had runny noses. Cause it's like, I bet everyone went home and had a cold after that, but oh, it was, yeah. it was totally worth it. Like what a great game. And Penn state was rolling during that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they were number three in the country and undefeated. And so that, but that's classic Kinnick for you right there. Yeah. Tim Tebow has uh, a lot to thank us for because we knocked them out of the uh, championship. And without that, they wouldn't have, you know, jumped over Penn State into the championship. And he wouldn't yeah. have won his national title. Second, first or second? I can't remember. I don't remember either, but you're welcome, Tim. That's <laughs> awesome. That's like yeah. Kinnick Stadium where dreams come to die uh, every time. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I love that. That's that, We got to get that like a T-shirt made for that. I think that's yes. awesome. When when you're kicking on field turf opposed to grass or anything like that, do you have a different type of approach at, you know, the, how you handle things, or is it just business as usual, whatever condition you're playing in? 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Um, I mean, you kind of try to tailor um, the field conditions to just your, your, your plant foot with your cleat. Um, you know, if it's really, you know, bad conditions, you'll, you'll put studs in there um, and, you know, just the longer studs and really just try to make sure that you don't slip and fall. Um, as far as punting goes, you don't, you don't see it as much. Um, you don't need, need it as much because when you're, when you're walking, um, you, you know, you catch the ball and, you know, take that first step, um, you know, that longer cleat in the front, really kind of messes up your steps a little bit, you know, half inch is a mile, you know? And so, um, you know, that really messes up as a punter, it kind of messes up a little bit of the uh, trajectory and, you know, your, your steps and uh, fundamentals, but, you know, with kickers, it's more important. I think, Um, you know, they're planting and they're, they're really not, you know, moving that plant foot until they're coming Mm. through the ball. So, you know, if that that foot moves, um, you know, it's, it's probably not going to end up to be a good kick. So, I think kickers are a little bit more in tune with uh, field conditions and things like that. As far as turf goes, the only you know, the only qualm I had with that was, um, you know, in the hot summers and in hot games, and you know, I'd be holding you know a million balls, and that rubber would just be flying in my face and sticking to my face. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, as a, as a holder, I caught the uh, brunt of the pebbles. Do you have, do you have a moment throughout your career, whether it be you know your 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 time in the NFL or in college, where you think like that was my most disastrous punt ever? Like it just fell apart. Like you know either uh, you know a snap got fumbled, like snapped over your head, or you just got laid out, or anything like that that comes to mind that you're like, oh, that was brutal. Man, yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, sorry, man. Oh man, this, is, right. a, this is a therapy session. We can talk through this. Wow. And it's gonna it's gonna it's be like better. About things, not the bad things. No, um, yeah, the bad. So this is a this is a very cool story in hindsight, but a brutal story at the time. We're playing um, we're playing Michigan, Michigan. No, we're playing Wisconsin um, at home. I'm saying it's ah, man. Oh, it's my senior year, so it's uh, 2010, and Mike Meyer uh, was our true freshman kicker because Dan Murray got hurt, and uh, Mike Meyer's our kicker. Lining up for about a, in the first half, setting the, setting the stage. We're playing Wisconsin, um, 2010. It's end of the first, close to the end of middle of the first half, middle middle of the uh, second quarter, okay. and we're kicking a field goal. Very close game, and um, so we kick the field goal. And I haven't messed up like a hold in a game ever, like ever to this point. So you know, I'm feeling pretty confident. You know, I can, you know, it's everything. You know, me and Andy Schultz, we were you know in tune, lockstep. Right. And so um, I put the ball down. So I put it down and typically I catch with the, with these two fingers. So I catch the ball with these two fingers. I'm trying okay. to do it. So I'd catch the ball with these two fingers point goes here and I, and I hold the ball 
And so whatever. So this time I caught it like this. So I caught it oh. like this and I put it down oh. and my, my, my hand is in front of the ball and I, I have like, I just kind of like pause and I'm putting it, putting it, putting it down. And I don't, and I'm like, Oh crap, where do I go from here? Do I slide this hand up? I can't slide this hand up. And and Mike Myers coming and he plants. I remember him like stopping and pausing and I'm like, it's not going to work. So I just tucked it. So I tucked it and I took two steps to my right thinking I was going to go outside the end and JJ Watt came straight through the a gap and destroyed my life. Uh, he, he took two steps and I'm carrying the ball and he put his helmet right into my hand. And I, you know, I obviously go backwards and there's a big bump. There's like a huge bump on top of my hand. Oh. And, uh, I went back to the sideline and I go to the trainer. I'm like, is this broken? He goes, that, that definitely looks broken. And I'm like, he's like, can you feel it? I'm like, it's kind of numb. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, tape it up. Let's just tape it up. Like we're, you know, no problem. Yeah. So I, Ended up having two punts that game and averaged like 60 yards a punt for some reason. I don't know. Wow. What. That was great. The bad part about that whole thing was we lost the game by one or two points. So mm-hmm. that field goal meant everything. And I was, I just remember being so distraught after the game. We didn't want to talk to anybody for like the rest of the day, the rest of the night. I'm like, I just lost us that game. We we're both ranked and we were both, you know, it was a, it was a huge game. And uh, I remember the other punter, like, showed me up. He, he, they did like a fake punt and he ran for 50 yards up the middle. And I'm, and, you know, it was just a, it was a bad day. And so, um, yeah, that was one of the uh, days that I regret, but you know, good with the bad. Now I have a cool story that I got tackled by JJ Watt. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is, I mean, that's cool to say you were tackled by a future NFL hall of famer, but yes. you need to know that all of the great things you've done for us as a Hawkeye way, way outweigh that one mistake. And we forgive you. It's okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for speaking on behalf of them because I've, I've, I still feel guilty. I still feel terrible. It's tough as a player. I mean, you just, you always remember that stuff and one mistake, you know, I'll stick, stick with you the rest of your life. But the 99 out of a hundred things you did great. Like, you know, that, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what you focus on. And you're, you're human. You're not perfect. You know, stuff happens. Punters. I mean, punters, I mean, the game rarely rests on our hands. You know, you, yeah. you, know, you rarely do something in a game that says, that's the play that lost us the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that was more, you know, looking back at it now, you know, years later, I can kind of say like, okay, you know, I can kind of forgive myself for that, but you know, you, you know, and like you said, but yeah, it was, if that's something that sticks out, that's, uh, that hurts. Yeah. I mean, like we said, it, it happens and you did so many other great things in your career. So, you know, we, we, we appreciate that. So it's, we still love you, man. No, 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 no problem. Uh, what, what you to really look back, dig, dig deep, dig deep in that, in that brain ears and think about in the locker room on the practice field, a story that you still like remember to this day. We always like to ask everybody because as fans, you know, we only get to see stuff during the games and, the, and the, what practice stuff we get to see is typically like a highlight reel or something at the end of, you know, at the, either the end of spring practice or at some point during the summer, what's, you know, maybe one or two things. We've had a lot of pretty great stories of different things that guys have seen either in practice, that the fans would never have guessed happened or something in the weight room that you look back and you're like, man, that was nuts. <laughs> I don't know if it was uh, so nuts, but in, um, in camp, you know, the uh, specialists have a lot of time on their hands. Um, you know, everyone else is in their offensive, defensive meetings, position meetings. You know, and our position coach, Lester Erb, he was the um, uh, running backs coach. And so he would break off into offensive, defensive meetings and 
He would break into his uh, individual meetings with running backs and, you know, the specialists, you know, we were, you know, tasked with, you know, charting and, you know, doing some other things, but, you know, each person would only take about 15, 20 minutes to chart, you know, their punts and kicks for, um, you know, that previous practice. And so, like I said, we had a lot of time on our hands. And so in the locker room, um, we would, and this is a, this is a common theme. We would often build, um, uh, mini golf courses throughout the locker room. So really? we were, we, so in camp, you know, we all made sure to bring a putter and uh, we would just create obstacles and this, that, and the other thing. And coaches would come by and they would start getting into it. Um, and I remember a coach one time came in and like everyone would break out of offensive defense. And we're like, hold on, no one's coming to the locker room yet. There's a very big putt. So everyone's kind of <laughs> going around and and someone missed it or whatever. And the coach is like, I can make that. And so he jumped in and he, and he like, but and he, I remember he putted it and made it, and the whole team went crazy. And um, it was really, yeah, you know, that was part of the, one of the highlights of camp is you know, the, the, the the specialists turning the locker room into a mini golf course. <laughs> Did you ever have like any of the DBs or like O linemen or anybody just like walk by and like screw your whole thing up and just be like, what the all hell the you guys did? Okay, all the time. Yeah, that was that was definitely that, that was definitely a lineman's mantra. You know, okay. just walk through, oops, excuse me, you know, just give a <laughs> foot wedge. I'm so. sure Saul not going to do anything about it. He'd probably beat the crap out of me. So I'm just going to, hey, man. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> who was maybe the most intense guy in the locker room that you remember playing with it you, you know there was like a machine you know we have guys bring up like Josie Jewell and you know Bo Bauer has been brought up before is like a guy that was kind of a jokester but super intense guys that were just you know really focused and, and on the next level that you were just really impressed by from afar looking back on it um I would say Mike Daniels um he was Stud. man he, he's intimidating yeah, and he was always in the weight room. Like, you know, he was just, just built different, you know, and uh, both physically and mentally. And, you know, that's why he's still playing now. He's my age and he's still playing defensive line in the NFL, which is crazy. And um, yeah, he had, you know, every day he would just have a mentality in him. And you could tell, like, he's just focused. Like he he's there to play football. He's there to do things, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just always remember that intensity. And, you know, I was always kind of like, you know, playful, you know, loose, you know, kind of loose. And, um, he was always focused and I was, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I never, you know, I never talked to a whole lot, but he, I, it sticks out in my head that he was intense, very intense. If I, if I was, you know, on special teams and, you know, kicker or punter, that guy'd scare the hell out of me. I'd be like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to mess with you, but you know, everyone that I've talked to says he's a great guy and um, his brother, his brother's LaShawn and, you know, LaShawn is just such, we've uh, talked with him a little bit. We ended up having to reschedule an interview with him and the guy couldn't be more professional and kind. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, no problem. I completely understand these things happen. And I'm like, like a, a tough running back like that. It's just like bruising people. I figured he, he was going to tell me where to stick it. And the guy's like yeah. the most genuine, kind, professional person. I'm like, God, you guys are also yeah. so freaking cool. Like such yeah. a, such a nice guy. One thing I thought was extremely cool was you had an opportunity with the Detroit lions. So um, I, that, that's pretty awesome. Any chance anybody gets to even sniff the NFL, which is the most difficult professional league in my opinion, in the world to make it in walk us through what that was like that, that time you had with the lions and how difficult was that to make that transition? Yeah. So um it was more difficult because it was the lockout year as well. Mm. So um, I came out in 2011 and um, went to the combine. That was a neat experience. Um, 
and then, um, you know, the draft happened, and then the lockout happened. So I was undrafted. They only drafted one punter that year. Hmm. And so I was in the top two, but um, they, uh, I think the Eagles drafted Chaz Henry, and that was it. I got a lot of calls um, during the draft about signing as a free agent and things like that. And I said, but we're not going to be able to talk to you until, you know, the lockout's over. And they, that's a big question mark. We don't know what it's going to be. So uh, I went the whole summer without, you know, knowing, just trying to stay in shape. Um, probably spent too many, too many nights at the, uh, at the cottage, at the lake. But um, it was, you know, it was, um, you know, it's kind of a tough time. But then it came July 27th. I think it was July 27th. And they said the lockout was going to end on like the 29th. Okay. And so I, I came back to Iowa City pack all my stuff up. My lease was uh, over at that point. And so I was, I was packing up and uh, I got a call from the Houston Texans and they said, they just, um, they just said that uh, the lockout's over and we can talk to free agents and we can sign free agents. And I'm like, Whoa, that's, that happened quickly. Hmm. And so, um, you know, they called and that's kind of how my hat got tipped off. Called my agent said, what happened? He goes, yeah, there someone, you know, a couple of teams reached out on accident and, you know, misread an email, but now they're opening it up. I was like, okay, all right, here we go. And so then I called from uh, the Detroit Lions and, um, you know, I was talking with both of those teams back and forth. Um, the thing was that veteran free agency was going to open up three days later. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to see what they were going to, you know, kind of feel out what they were going to do. Houston Texans didn't have any punter on there at the time. And uh, there was a lot of, you know, heavy hitting punters who were free agents, um, veteran free agents. So I thought, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do in three days. You know, do I want to sign with the Texans or do I want to sign with the Lions, who I know who I'm going up against is Nick Harris. They're being completely transparent. You know, they need to save some money on the salary cap. And, you know, they think I'm, uh, they think I'm, you know, worthy of, you know, signing. So um, at the end of the night, I decided to sign with the Detroit Lions um, going up against Nick Harris. I knew who I was going against. So um, I took from there, um, was in Detroit probably less than a week later had a uh, very grueling camp. Um, it was very interesting, interesting side story. I've never been to an NFL game before I played in my first one. Okay. Like, ever. So never been to a Bears game. Lifelong Bears fan, just never never had the opportunity to go to a game. And so um, – They're you know, expensive. <laughs> probably why I was not, you know, I, I yeah. had never – you know, I didn't have any friends and anything like that who, you know, had tickets or anything. So I walk into my first game. I remember it was against the Cincinnati Bengals preseason and um and it was at home and um i didn't even step into ford field by that point we were probably in camp for like you know three weeks up to that point and you know, i remember being very nervous i'm like you know i don't know what the bar is for the nfl i've never been here in real life i've never seen a ball flight you know in real life from a punter because you know tv doesn't really catch that yeah and so, um you know I, I, I don't i don't know what you know Number one, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Number two, I'm just trying to, you know, do my best and not screw up. And so, um, you know, that was a really, you know, really cool experience. I did pretty well in that game. The first ball I hit, I remember we were going left. And I'm like, oh, great. This is like going left. This is my worst, my worst uh, direction to go. But it ended up being a spiral turnover, fair catch. And I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, from there, things kind of started to heat up. Um, the first two preseason games, um, went by and, um, I was, I was always playing in the second half and then the third preseason game came up and, um, you know, me and Nick Harris were pretty even, um, as far as, you know, stats go and things like that. And, um, they said, you're going to, you're going to start on the day, um, that we played, uh, the third preseason game, uh, against the Patriots, uh, no less at, at Ford field. 
Um, they said, you're going to start, you know, third preseason game being the game that, you know, all the starters, you know, play for a majority of the time. Yeah. And so, you know, me, they're like, Oh, you're going to start against the Patriots in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm starting against Tom Brady. Like what is going on right now? You know, like I got to pin this guy back. Is that a joke? I just remember, I still remember to this day him running onto the field because they got the ball first. I'm like, Oh, this, like, that was like the coming, like the, the, the moment where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in the NFL. Yeah. And that's so, cool. Um, yeah, that was really cool. And so I did really well um, that game. And they threw in, I remember they threw in a, uh, you know, a backup snapper and he like rolled the ball to me and I just caught it real quick, put it down, you know, so they were really testing me to see if I can handle it. And, um, you know, it all went well. Uh, I think I even got, get a, got in on a tackle on Julian Edelman that, that year, or I'm sorry, right. which he was just coming out as well. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that, I handled that well. And, um, you know, last game was at Buffalo and, we uh, did well there and I won the job. I couldn't believe it. And the story that this is probably the coolest story that I have uh, in my whole life is my dad was coming up to Detroit um, for cut day. And, you know, he's like, win or lose, you know, I'm coming up, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to drive over. And so I'm um, in the hotel and, you know, I, I kind of, I hear a knock on the door in the morning and early in the morning. And, um, you know, my roommate gets up and, answers the door and said, Hey, you know, bring your playbook, come to the facility, you know, coach wants to see you. And, um, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm just sitting there laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, like, all right, my time's coming. Like that knock's going to happen soon. And, uh, and back walks my roommate about an hour later and he's like, um, and I'm like, sorry, dude, whatever. Like he goes, yeah, you know, it's whatever, you know, I'll I'll try to catch on somewhere else. And he's like, but you're good. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm good. He's like, the other punter's packing up all this stuff right now in the locker room at at the facility. I was like, what? I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, holy crap. Like, oh my God. Like all the emotions started like coming to my head. I'm like, all right, you know, they could easily cut me too. So just like try to stay even. And yeah. at that moment, my dad got there and uh, my dad got to the hotel. And he goes, Hey, I just checked into my room. You know, I'm, you know, on this floor. And so I run, run around and I run to his, um, run to his door and he opened the door and I just started hugging him and crying, just crying. And he's like, oh, buddy, you got caught. I'm like, no, I think I made it. <laughs> I'm like, the other punter's like done. And he's, you know, I just remember hugging him for probably a minute or two and just crying into my dad's arms. And it was uh, one of the most powerful moments of my life. That's amazing, man. That might be the best story ever told on this before. That's fantastic. Yes. It was, uh, uh, it was a hell of a moment. Man, I got goosebumps right now. That was amazing. Wow. Did, did you, were you able to like, you know, when, once your career was done, did they let you keep you know, like your jersey or helmet? Did you get anything cool like that you're able to hold on to? Yeah. No, I kept, yeah, I kept my jerseys. Um, you know, not, not, not a helmet, but, you know, I kept my jerseys and, um, you know, just all other, other stuff, balls with like the Lions insignia on it just to, you know, keep practicing with it and things like that. But yeah, um, yeah it was really cool. And that whole Detroit experience was, was just amazing. I've heard they got some of the best fans in, in the NFL. Like they're super supportive and loyal to the team, even though traditionally the Lions haven't been a, a very successful franchise. A lot of the guys that have played there always come out and say, yeah, I'm at the grocery store and like everybody just comes up to me and tells me great game or tough loss. Hey, you'll get them next week. Like go Lions. You know, I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. Very resilient fan base. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I really like them. I mean, they're, and they're loyal too. I mean, you know, even the celebrities are, you know, really loyal. I remember, you know, during the phases where, you know, Lions wouldn't sell out, um, you know, celebrities would come in like Kid Rock, you know, lifelong fan would buy up 2000 seats just so the game would be able to be viewed locally, you know? Awesome. So, 
So it would be blacked out, you know, and they all, man, they all step in. And it's, man, it's, I got another cool story, but we don't have to tell that one. We can tell any story you want to tell. I just think it's cool. They got Motor City Dan Campbell coming in. He's hyping people up, talking about chewing people's knees off and stuff like that. That guy's I was really right through a brick wall when he was talking. I was like, can I go back? Like, I want to play for this Yeah. We need more of that in the NFL, like more, less of the PC, like, you know, like a presidential candidate type of coach and more Motor City Dan's, man. That guy, he's he's awesome. Let's hear that other story, man. If you want to tell it, I want to hear it. Yeah, no, and it kind of ties in with the Kid Kid Rock story, but um, it also ties into what we were going going, uh, at at the beginning of this with our, with my roots as a Bears fan. And so I was, um, uh, fourth game of the season, we are playing uh, the Bears on Monday Night Football. And so I've been looking for – I've seen this game. I have this game marked off. My ham, my family has this game marked off, Monday Night Football in Detroit. There are like 200 people coming to the game, including my grandma, who's like, you know, 80-something years old at that time. And um, she – and so we, you know, play the game. Um, and, and so remember the first drive we had, we scored a touchdown. And – I remember as a holder, I had to read the middle linebacker's eyes and see, you know, read the middle linebacker and see which way that pressure is coming from. And I have to call it out to the line, right or left, right, right, left, left. Okay. And so I looked up the middle linebacker and middle linebacker is Brian Erlacher. And that's, this is someone who I've looked up to, you know, ever since he came in the league, ever since he was Bears, like, you know, I am, you know, number one fan. He looks pissed. Like he's out of breath. He's tired. He's pissed. And I was terrified. But, uh, you know, it was one of those hike, boom. Good. Okay. Let's get the hell out of the field. And so, but that, that was super cool. So, um, you know, and so, uh, Devin Hester was also the punt returner, right? So oh, I got, he, I got, I got, oh man, he was so good. So, so good. The, the, the first meeting of the game week, first, first order of business team meeting coach, Donnie, you get up here. Oh crap. You know? And so he's like, who's the best punt returner in the NFL for the whole team. I'm like, Devin Hester, knowing who we're playing. And yeah. The whole team's like, what, what are you doing? And then our punt returner stands up. He goes, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> and so I'm like, "I mean, no, Logan. Logan's the best one." You were then, set up, man. Yeah, I was completely set up. But uh, I was told, you know, basically, you know, in so many words, if you punt Devin Hester, your time's limited here. Okay. So, you know, so um, uh, I knew going into the game that you know I had to you know keep the ball away from Devin Hester, and um, it's not easy to do. So I remember getting back, getting out there for the first punt, yeah, somewhere in the first or second quarter, and uh, I see 23 lined up back there, and I just think, nope, and I just go straight to the sideline. I think the ball and the ball spiral turned over, 40 yards out of bounds, like picture perfect, landed I think in the first row, and I'm just like, and I came off the field like three coaches met me like, great job, good job, and I was like, tell me about it, like, whew. But he ended up only getting one punt return there at that game on like four or five punts. So uh, I think I did the job job very well that game. Fast forward to um, the locker room after the game. I'm getting ready. I have a ton of fans, you know, a ton of fans, a ton of family outside. And, um, you know, I'm getting ready at the locker, just trying to, you know, hurry up. And I smell like cigar smoke. And I'm like, I'm like, it's kind of like smelling cigar smoke in like church. You're just like in a locker room, you just don't really smell it unless it's like, you know, the Super Bowl or something like that or, you know, yeah. winning something like that. And so I, uh, I turn around and Kid Rock is standing right behind me. And, um, and right next to him is Run DMC and Bob Seeger. And I like, oh. kind of turn around and I'm just like, whoa. 
you know? And so I, they start like, you know, doing like, like uh, run DMC starts doing like a beat or something like that. And they're happy. They all have cigars and they're like, you know, we just beat the bears on Monday night football. And uh, you know, so they're in the locker room and they're, they start breaking out into like, you know, a beat and uh, they all start singing the same song together. And to this day, I have no idea what song that was. I think it was honestly one of Bob Seger's songs, Okay, but they were all singing it together in unison smoking cigars and i thought and i just sat down i'm like my family's gonna have to wait this is the coolest thing ever oh yeah and so that was uh you know that whole night was a cool story and so you know it's i only played eight games in the nfl um before i got injured and you know unfortunately never played again but you know these stories are you know you know lifelong stories that i I will never forget and anytime anyone asks me how i was playing in the nfl i'm like man it was short but man it was cool Man, I, those are two of the best stories that you told today that I've ever heard ever in my life. And if you ever want to come back and have story time with Ryan Donahue, I will always make time for that because those are fantastic. I was going to ask you too, like you brought up Brian Erlocker. It's like the first thing I can think of is like now he's got a full head of hair. He got the hair transplant and it's like, wow, like I, there's billboards all over Chicago. I've been like a full head of yep. hair. I'm like, it doesn't even look like him. And that's one of those guys too. It's like, I totally get it. Like if you go bald. And you look like crap if if you look like crap and you have a bad head. But like he looked really good bald. He looked like a mean yeah. dude. Like that was his look. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised he went away from that because it looked really good for him. Like I have a massive head, and if I went bald, it would be a it'd be a problem. Like I'd be wearing this hat twenty four seven. I uh, I don't have a good shaped head, so I'm praying that I can keep my hair as long as possible. It looks like yours is holding strong too. So you're you're in good shape. Yeah, just got a haircut, so you caught me on a good day. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, hey, man, we're going to let you get back to it. I know you got a lot going on. You got the new role that you're taking over. So, you know, nothing but success to you on the new role. Tell the girlfriend we say hello. And, um, yep. Your awesome dog that's, you know, lived a, you know, an up and down life. But it's been since you stepped into his life, nothing but up, which is awesome. So um, I got a big that's place in my heart for dogs. So that that's yep. super cool. Um, is the dog around the house at all? Yeah, you want me to grab him? Yes, we got to see him now. Like, you got to put a face with with the name. For everybody that's listening on podcast, I apologize. There's not going to be any visual for this, but um, hop on YouTube and we'll show you. Oh my gosh, how cute is he? Yeah, this is Cody. He's got uh, he's 13. He's got stage three heart, heart failure, but he is chugging along and still like he, he'll go and get a ball every single day and try to play with me. So this he looks great. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What a cute dog. That is awesome. that is fantastic man we appreciate it man thanks for sharing with us and thanks for all the awesome stories i had an absolute blast talking to you so much fun and you know we always got to end it we're going to change up how we end it this time because i got a fellow socks fan i always like to say go socks and go hawks go socks go hawks all right man thanks a lot ryan have a great rest of the week okay we appreciate your time thanks adam appreciate it all right we'll see you bye